Pop quiz, Darlene. Okay. What's the number one gripe that I've made on the pod? I don't know. Something gardening related? No. It's this. Paying people for the stuff you want should not be hard. Right. Yes. You've mentioned. Lawyers deal with complex issues every day. Accepting payments from clients should not be one of them. True, and that's why we use Helsum. They are a Canadian payment processing company with a great reputation for service and transparency. And with Helsum, accepting all kinds of credit and debit card payments is easier, faster, and more affordable. Yeah, Helsum was designed for business owners. Through their cloud-based platform, they equip folks with tools like online invoicing, email and text message payment requests, and virtual terminal. And they do it with an interchange plus pricing model. So we here at the Lower Life Podcast are really impressed with Helsum, and we recommend that you give them a look if you want to make payments easy for your clients. Just visit helsum.com slash lawyer life to get your first $6,000 worth of processing free. That's H-E-L-C-I-M dot com slash lawyer life to get started with better payments today. Welcome to the Lawyer Life Podcast, where we seek to navigate our days with a little less stress and ideally a lot more fulfillment. In this short season five, we focus on entrepreneurship and innovation. On today's episode, we stand on the shoulders of giants. We've asked legal innovators to provide the best piece of advice they've ever received. And boy, did they deliver. I'm Mike Anderson. And I'm Darlene Tonelli. Hello, Darlene. Hello. What's going on? Well, you know that I'm having an exciting day. Tell me about that. I have a new mic. <laughs> Not a new Mike Anderson, a new mic. And it's making all the difference. Yeah. Doesn't it sound great? Yeah. I mean, we are people with modest needs. You know, when we get something new in our life, like a new <laughs> microphone, that, that can really float us for, I feel like, weeks. Well, I think even in the before times, it would have floated me for a bit, but you know, Fun is just in short supply. So when I got this mic, it really made my day. Oh, goodness. Well, uh, here we are. So we are in the final episode of our, of our short season five, uh, where we're focusing on going out on your own, starting something new, being a lawyer that, um, you know, wants to, so to speak, break the mold and uh, create a thing of their own. And um, on that note, I mean, we both have been creating something new as we've been working on this season, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you wanna do you wanna hint anything about what you've been working on or it will be a complete surprise to the to the listener when you launch it? Well the danger of hints is that then you are completely accountable. So yeah, I mean I hinted on the gold episode, but I'm working on a new music related project and very excited about it. I'm tapping into the uh, the music loving person that I was before going to law school. And uh, anyway, started doing music law as a, a f sort of a, an outgrowth of my love for music. But this is a lot more just tied to music. So I'm very excited. Thank you for asking about it. How about you and your project? Yeah, my project is more in the legal space. Um, two episodes ago, we spoke about how I did this uh, kind of multiple choice quiz in a book I was reading. Uh, and uh, discover that I'm a quote-unquote guide. Um, and what that means is I like to uh, kind of coach or advise um, people who are out there doing creative things or people who are out there, um, you know, as business leaders. That's just kind of like my, my personality type. And really, I'm, I'm, as I develop this thing and it gets closer to launch, I'm really realizing that that is what has driven me to do it. So um, 
it's, you know, it, it's just something, you know, my practice will remain the same, but it's something that will be part of my practice. It'll be one of the buckets that I, that I work with. Uh, and I'm, I'm very, I've enjoyed the process of creating. I think that this season has helped me, um, you know, uh, do so. I'm, I hope this episode will too, because I'm not done. It's not launched yet. And I'm, I am looking forward to talking about the great advice that other folks received when they're going out on their own, because this is a bit of an independent project um, for me. So uh, stay tuned, I guess, as well. We're being very, um, I think we're being very professional broadcastery right now, you know, or <laughs> very right. much like, you know, no, you'll have to keep listening to hear Tune this surprise. <laughs> Tune in next time when yeah. we drop another hint oh, yeah. about our Next time on project. the Lawyer Life Pod. Yeah, I do. I agree with you, though, prepping for this episode even. I have used a lot of this advice even in doing this project. So um, I think we used a lot of it even in launching the Lawyer Life Pod, which at the beginning was a bit of a an unknown, particularly for me. But when you're starting something new, all the advice from the good people who want to see you succeed is welcome. And then, as I've said on previous episodes, just part of it to wade through the uh, advice from people who take pleasure and sort of pointing out all the things you might not have considered that are bad ideas. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's where, that's where we'll go today with this. It's funny that you mentioned the beginning of this podcast, because really, um, it was a bit, I mean, we, I, 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 for me, it felt more natural probably than it should have. I mean, we barely knew each other. <laughs> we had just started a, a formalized working relationship <laughs> with one another. And mm-hmm. uh, neither one of us had, I mean, I had, I have experience in media and television, but neither one of us had done anything in the podcast, you know, audio world before. And we just started it and put it out into the world like these two idealistic uh, teenagers almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our first episodes were not our best. Uh, They get better. For true listeners, you'll recall the first episodes, but we've gotten better. And I think that's a real testament to you just start at a certain point. I knew, I guess for me, it wasn't comfortable, as you very well know, but I knew it needed to be done. And I knew that it was something that was going to align really well with a bunch of goals that I had that needed a place to be. And for me, podcasting felt like the right thing. And this has this project of the podcast has been so helpful in all of the reasons, I, I think, for all the reasons we said that it would be counseling creators, understanding what they go through, having been in the position of releasing your creative product and thinking, ooh, yikes, <laughs> um, that's very valuable to have experienced as a lawyer. So there's that. And then on top of that, I think that it has been a really worthwhile endeavor. And and not to say, I mean, we're still doing it and it continues to grow and evolve. But I'm always really happy to hear about new listeners and hear from people that we've impacted them in some way or impacted the larger conversation going on around law. So all that is great. But none of that was foreseeable when we started, right? No. And as it so happens, I'm in this kind of fallen into with one of my clients is kind of a a podcast listening club and and she asked everybody to submit their favorite podcast episodes uh and one of them that was submitted in this group was the first episode of startup um the gimlet mm. podcast that where alex bloomberg basically chronicled his beginning of what became a quite successful podcast network and i listened to it this morning actually and and in that episode he talks about how you know he's going to 
um, you know, a, an investor to try to get somebody to start the business. And he's told that like, the, the, one of the most important things is just knowing that there's an opportunity or something that can work and knowing that you're the person that can do it. Um, and I think so that kind of, you know, made me think about what I'm up to. And also about this episode, and I think that's a great piece of advice that like, if you just, if there's just something gnawing at you that you feel like I just have to I, I I just have to try this. It might be a great indicator that, uh, you know, you might be ready and you might be the one to, uh, to try the thing and, and, and you might be the one perfectly suited to, to do it. Um, so moving from that podcast advice to the advice we're going to discuss today, did you ever get great advice, uh, yourself when you went out and started Interalia? I mean, yes, I had a, I had a lot of people who, I mean, in fairness, and I've said this before, but I didn't really I didn't ask for a lot of advice because Interalia sort of organically became what it is. Uh, when I first started my firm, I was really going on my own instinct that what I wanted to build <clears throat> was not going to be what had been built before. It wasn't going to look like the traditional law firm structure. And in, as part of that, I was a little worried about sharing some of my thoughts with people because I didn't, I did get some blowback where I was sort of people, I would say, I'm starting a law firm. And they would say, oh, well, where will your office be? And I'm like, well, there won't be an office. And oh, well, what do you mean? You need an office. Well, and then, you know, I look back on it now and it's like, well, why? To send emails and be on the phone from? <laughs> like, because that is my practice. That's what I do. And I knew that about my own practice. And I think it's relevant to know yourself, know what you want to build and understand that when people are giving you advice, they don't have your full vision right? So the the great advice that I did get, and that I've gotten from, you know, throughout the process in the last eight years, one lawyer that I really respect, um, in both style and approach, he said, that you never do wrong by doing right. And to me, that's been the guiding factor. So whenever I'm hitting sort of a decision point, I think, well, you know, what's the right move, big picture. And that's always, I mean, that's always the way that I will go if I, if I can figure that out. And then the other thing is from my own advice to myself, I guess, I just didn't want to do things because, and I heard someone say once, and I can't properly attribute the quotes. I don't know who's, where it comes from, but someone said the eight most expensive words in business are because that's the way we've always done it. And I don't know if those are the most expensive words in business, but I do know that that's not a reason. <laughs> like Just when you hear that quote on its face, you're like, well, that's, that is something that gets said a lot, but it's not a reason to do it that way. So I question everything, as you know, and I just tried to keep the stuff that made sense to me and, and ditch the rest. But, you know, it's, uh, I take what most people say and consider it. And then I try to run it through my own filter and, and accept it or not. But how about you? Well, um, not to inflate your ego, even more inflated than it already is. Because oh, God, gracious. yes. <laughs> I can barely fit in here <laughs> in this basement podcasting yeah, studio. Exactly. Um, but when we started working together, um, I I didn't have. I was kind of intimidated about the idea of quote unquote business development. I I didn't. I, I don't love the like cocktail networking thing, and um, I just didn't. I hadn't done it really at all before. Um, and so there was one thing actually that you said to me in the early days was. Um, doing good work is business development. And I, that really mm -hmm. resonated with me. And it made me actually, um, you know, value the, 
the effort that I was putting into every single document or any piece of advice I was providing to clients because it kind of felt like, um, you know, it might have been when I was just practice, starting out, you know, I practice out on my own under the inter alia umbrella. Um, like I was just kind of forming a snowball, but every time I sent something that I really liked, I felt like I was kind of, you know, making it into a bigger snowball and uh, we, and it would have that effect. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's proven true. in in some instances we know for sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah. that's been good. And I think it's a great piece of advice. Just, um, you know, every single time you do good work, um, you know, some great, uh, business development opportunities can flow from that. So that's one. Um, the other one, this is something I just kind of consider in life, but I think it's useful for the practice and, and, you know, brought me probably to this podcast among other things, um, is, is I know that president Obama has a quote about this. I'm sure many other people have a similar quote, but, uh, you can't take yourself too seriously. Um, uh, but you have to take the job seriously. And mm -hmm. I, I think that that is, uh, it's, it's just kind of the way that, I process a lot of things is that I care a lot about the work I do um, and the clients I work for, um, but I don't let that become me. Uh, and I, and I also can appreciate, you know, feedback and, 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 you know, know that I need to improve and know that I'm not perfect and uh, also be able to crack a joke and have a good time every once in a while. So um, those are two main things I think that, um, were really helpful for me when I moved from a traditional lawyer role to, you know, um, a more independent sort of practice. Well, and I think that the funny thing about, uh, like a number of lawyers are really funny. I mean, searingly funny. The firm that I started my, my summer and my beginning of my practice, I mean, jokes were like really, truly hilarious. And I think that there is a reticence to show how funny we are in public um, or with our clients. But I always find that if you can get people laughing and enjoying the deal or enjoying the work that you're doing, it's a very relevant skill. I mean, that's the call. You can get things done faster because it's more enjoyable for everybody. There's there's so much value to bringing in that not taking ourselves seriously. I think what, where it can be problematic is exactly what you said, is if you confuse it for not doing the job seriously, then that's the issue, right? Yep. That's, the, that's the line. But yeah, I love that. I love that quote. Yeah. Should we talk about what our other law firm founder friends told us? I think we should do so. Yeah. So one of the cool things about starting your own firm is that while you're not part of a traditional firm anymore, so say you were, say you're practicing today at a big firm or a, you know, a firm where there are many lawyers, that's currently kind of your network, uh, that and the opposing counsel. And what I found when I went out on my own was there are all these solo and small firms out there, and it, it makes really great sense to befriend them and get to know them and, and start to network together and help each other out. And I've taken an extraordinary amount of guidance from other people that are doing the same thing. So from the group that I um, sort of consult from time to time, I threw open the question of, hey, you know, who's got some great advice that you'd want to share with people launching their own firms? So I'll start with the advice I got from Megan Keenberg of Van Crawling and, and Keenberg. It is a commercial litigation and IP boutique here in Toronto. And she had a bunch of great advice. So maybe some of it I can, I can share in subsequent podcasts too. But I'll, I'll take the two points that I really related to. And she said, think about what worked well in your previous organization, whatever it was, and what didn't work well, and strive to improve on the stuff you can and don't bring over the things that didn't work. 
and very simple. But there are just things that you know don't work and that people do over and over and over again and just duplicate again just because. And I think for me, getting rid of those things has been helpful and then focusing in on the things that, that made sense and, and improving on them. That's that's the thing. So it was interesting to see that from another founder. Um, she also said, very important point, and the Lawyer Life pod would not exist if we had not done this, but don't get mired in perfection. Be focused on forward movement and lower your perfectionist standards to a solid B plus to get the firm launched. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> um not because you want to be B plus, but because you don't know. You don't know what the standard is. You don't know what's going to work yet. So if you don't start and if you don't just get moving, how will you know? You know, you, there's no way. So as you settle in, you get a better and better understanding of what's going to work, what's not going to work. And you make incremental change and you go from there. So I thought that was really good advice from her. Yeah, it can be intimidating when you are, you know, putting something out there. Um, mm-hmm. but the thing to realize is it's not made in stone, right? Like the, right. Uh, the very nature of making a thing on your own is that it, it just has to evolve to be successful. Um, I've heard like the second that you have an effective strategy is the second that you need to start evolving that effective strategy, right? If, if not, it'll stagnate, mm-hmm. your competition will copy it or find a better way to do it. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's not an effective strategy anymore. That applies in business, it applies in sports, it applies in so many ways. So um, that seems to make a great deal of sense to me. Make the best thing that you can uh, within the time constraints, other constraints you have. Don't let perfection hold you back. Launch something you're conf- confident in, but you, you know, it, you know that it doesn't have to be perfect because it will continue to evolve. And you'll learn things that will make it better. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Why don't I go next? Um, I reached out to um, a friend of mine, uh, a great lawyer, uh, Rich Appia, who I guess like a few years ago now, seems like yesterday, uh, went out on his own made it, uh, and started Appia Law. That's A-P-P-I-A-H, Law. Uh, and they're an employment law firm in Toronto. Um, he said, when he was thinking about going on his own, one question kept running through his mind, what if I fail? Uh, and his partner turned to him one day and said, but what if you succeed, Rich? Why is the default, he says, Rich, why is the default to look at failure, not success? That changed my perspective on decision-making completely. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think this, like, especially, uh, I, I mean, lawyers often through training and maybe for other uh, personality-driven reasons, we look at the risk and we look at the negatives and the drawbacks. But I think the, the useful thing for for many of us in the profession is to look at like what's your record you know (laughs) like personally like show me a time where you weren't uh you know so to speak succeeding at what you did and why don't we just kind of like look at that record as um you know maybe a better indication of where we might wind up in the future as opposed to like a nightmare scenario that we dream up in our heads Mm mm-hmm well, and similarly, we're so used to flagging risks. That's we're just so attuned to that. But I always there was a guy that I used to work with who would always walk by like the office philosopher and he would say, "What would you do today if you weren't afraid?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Great way to look at things, you know? Like you notice once you hear that quote, "Oh, that's probably I probably am afraid of failure. I probably am afraid that people will think this is a dumb idea." But like that's okay. That's just a fear, you know? They might not, or they might think it's a great idea. So you don't know. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's we are, I think also driving from that point, it's like, whether or not you're nervous or whether or not you don't have a book of business right now, you have a great opportunity. I mean, other folks yes. who are, have just as much uh, drive and, and ideas and aspirations don't have this opportunity that it sits before you. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I agree with you. It's a, it's a perspective of being grateful and seeing what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And you, that's what grow. I mean, you know, you know, my thoughts on this, but valuing what you have is the start to getting more of that, I think. Yeah. Um, let me talk about what Lisa said from Spring Law. Lisa Stam is a, a fellow founder of a virtual uh, law firm that does employment law also. And she said, which I thought I very much related to, and I'm glad that I took action on this point earlier this year, or Mike would definitely have had something to say about it. Um, she says the key skill is that is to know when to fire yourself as an entrepreneur from jobs. So when you are a solo and you start something, you do all the jobs at first. And she says, value the time that you spend on the business and don't think that it's easy, no value admin work. It's not, it's CEO work that should be properly valued. So fire yourself from being the firm's temp. And there are probably lawyers listening to this right now that could act on that immediately. And it's never been more possible than in this environment where they're the standard of, of working with um, you know, people, you can get virtual assistance, you can get a piece of technology that can automate something like we don't really have an excuse for doing work that isn't the best, we're, we're not the best person to be doing it. So I did this this year, um, I'm steadily moving towards doing a better job of it. And it is life changing in a lot of ways. So I fully agree with that. And I think that probably could have done it sooner. But you know, focus on the positive. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see how this would come to be only because I'm on, on the other end of things with the uh, the little thing I'm starting up. Like I, I am passionate about every word I'm writing to describe, you know, the business or, you know, the logo look and feel, you know, you really get into the weeds as you create something because uh, mm-hmm. you need to. And as we talked about in, you know, the first episode, a lot of this is about you and your strengths and your passions and your interests. And so it makes sense to be in the weeds that way. But then, mm-hmm. you know, Darlene, you're on the other end of it, where like the thing has grown to a point where that just is, you know, it, that doesn't make sense any longer, right? And that the processes mm-hmm. are baked and that, you know, there's enough, there's enough there that you can say, okay, I've figured these parts out. Here, mm-hmm. capable person, <laughs> right? right? You can now do these things as I focus on whatever, you know, the next stage, the next strategy, the next person, whatever it is. You raise a very important point, actually. Here, capable person. (laughs) I think a lot of lawyers struggle with exactly that. So if there was a, you know, why didn't I do it earlier? Partly because I didn't have the person that I knew I could seamlessly do it with. That was the issue. And I think that um, that is a weakness a little bit. I think you could give, you could get to that point earlier than I did. But it is really important to build something that you can, you know, when you find the right person. And in my case, I was lucky enough to get to work with someone that I worked with for eight years in my old job. Um, and she is, she's Rowan Aline. She's our paralegal at Interalia Law. She's amazing. And thanks to her, she has been able to, she knows me, you know, so she can take it off my hands in a way that I know will work for me. 
And I think that that could just be a really great hire. It could be setting up a great system in the first place. But it's in this case, it's been a bit of a bunch of things, but it's you got to do what you need to do as an entrepreneur, I guess, to be able to hand it off completely. Because if you stay one foot in it, it is the worst <laughs> of all worlds. Even if I mean, I'm thinking about myself just starting or, or folks that are, you know, in early stages still at least consider that the day will come right and prepare for that. Mm-hmm. So Correct. when you're when you're making something, think about can this just be a process instead of me doing it in my mind every time. Uh, Or, you know, you can start to mention people, hey, you know what, in six months, I think I might want to bring on some help and start to get float that out there. So instead of just like the day that feels like the world's crashing down around you, and you finally Mm -hmm. put up your hands and say, I need somebody, you're not starting from scratch. And you, you know, you have actually probably built some referrals and some networks and so on that you do have candidates or potential candidates or folks that have you know, expressed interest that you can start to draw from. So it's something that we can, well, we all might not be there, especially folks just starting out pursuant to (laughs) perhaps this uh, season. Um, At least it's something that we can keep in the back of our minds um, and and consider the day where we hand over a baby or a part, part of this new venture to that capital C capable individual. Right. And you're right. A lot of that is just upkeep. Like it was relatively easy to transition that all over because it was taking something that I knew inside out and had built. Mm -hmm. And then I could say, okay, now here's what you do. And I think sometimes systems get into a a state where it's impossible to bring someone on and then you need expensive technology and, you know, like a bunch of different things. So yeah, that could be personal, but. Yeah. And anything built around an individual and that like solely around that individual not around the process is problematic for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even something as like practical and economic as if you ever want, if you build something and want to make an exit, is it about you or is it about mm-hmm. what you've built? Right. There's, mm-hmm. or if you happen to fall ill, can your thing still run? Cause you've built processes and have people that can support it. Like there's, if you just, right. we, we do talk about why it's important to make something that's unique to you. But I suppose that, you know, the opposite truth too, is that it can't be only about you and what you're doing in your head. Um, and, uh, own in, in that way. I mean, there's problems there. Yeah. You have to be able to unplug from it too, because there you can, if you make it without the systems, without a capable person to help you, you can't unplug ever, you know, you, you can't take a vacation if you build it wrong. Yeah. So, Okay, so you also uh, wanted to bring some tips from the book Tiger Tactics, Powerful Strategies for Winning Law Firms, which we'll link to in the show notes, um, Mm -hmm. and mostly from William, otherwise known as Bill Yamansky. Yeah, I read this book. I've got, uh, I have a few law firm books. There's a book by the people from The Lawyerist called Small Firm Roadmap, Roadmap, which is helpful. There's this book, Tiger Tactics. And the chapter that I liked from this really summarizes what each of the authors, there are five authors, I believe, and what each of them really got as advice in their careers. And some of the things that I related to, it was it was very different. So depending on each person, they, they each kind of threw in a bunch of advice. So if you're interested in getting another additional source to what we've been talking about, check that book out. Um, and Bill Yamansky has some good stuff really focused on the, the bringing the whole person to work stuff that everyone who listens to Lawyer Life podcast will know that you and I espouse. And really talking about finding, like remembering it's about loving what you do. 
you know, build something that you are going to enjoy. You get to build it, so make sure you enjoy it. Because as I said, there will come this point where you're busy and it's difficult and you need to love it to stick in it. That's just a basic thing about entrepreneurship. So if you, you know, if you build something that you can surround yourself with great people, if you want to enjoy your day, if you love the type of law that you're doing, the type of clients you're attracting, that's how it works. And his, some of his tips really go to that. And I related to them. And he also says, and I think this it really should be said, if you don't love law, do something else. <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. we have a very flexible degree. And if if there's a if there's something else that you enjoy doing, maybe transition or have law as part of your life and work on something else. But we have we have an extraordinary degree with a lot of flexibility. Yeah, I so think that that related on that point me. for folks at all stages in their uh, career. I think that it it's often a feeling that you're trapped in this profession, in the mm -hmm. job that you currently have. It feels like anything outside of it is an impossibility and you just have to kind of keep going because there's no other alternative. And for some folks, that could be true. I mean, it could be your, your, there's a huge amount of student debt that you have and there's no other way you could possibly continue. And maybe there's a period of time where you need to keep this job or there's other life circumstances where you just don't have the uh, privilege to start to consider something new. But for other folks, it might just be more of a uh, cultural fiction, uh, an ego-driven piece, or other, you know, something else that uh, isn't necessarily as strong of a barrier as you think it might be. Um, and so uh, it might be worth sitting down and evaluating these things if you feel trapped and if you feel that, was, that there's no alternative. Um, maybe consider if that's structurally true or if it's just a narrative. Um, and if it doesn't seem like there's these structures, true, you know, foundational things keeping you in that role, perhaps consider, you, I have a degree that mostly, and, and, and a career path that shows that I am a capital C capable person, <laughs> you know, like that is right. effectively the lawyer calling card. Um, and so maybe I can use that to go elsewhere, apply my expertise, apply my business savvy, apply my attention to detail, um, my reliability, you know, all these sort of traits in, in a different sort of way. Right. Honestly, it's like we've been hanging out together, <laughs> talking about Virtually. ego. <laughs> Literally. I can't remember which are my ideas and which are yours. We've merged so seamlessly into this, uh, into the shared. Well, view. we can finally reveal to folks that I actually am just a, a AI version of Darlene that she's been programming <laughs> over the past two and a half years. Um, well, the machine learning is complete if yeah, exactly. uh, at the end of the day we're always talking ego. Oh, now I'm ready to oh, replace man. you, Darlene. Oh, no. Back. <laughs> the capable person. Oh, my God. Um, anyway, I, I jest, but I was, as you were talking, I was remembering back to two things that I've observed. I, a lot of law students and people early in their careers um, reach out to me from time to time, or I, I run into them, um, as Mike and I have spoken at, a law, at law schools, I do it sometimes on my own. And I see these incredibly competent people. And I look at all of them and I think, I am quite certain I was not that polished when I went through law school. I would, I would put money on that. And I just think that the world is there. Um, you know, there's, there's so much potential. 
but there it doesn't feel that way at that moment it feels like there's the job to get the thing if you don't get it all is lost and i just think to echo what you're saying it's not true and one funny thing one story that i hope will be helpful I did meet a student once who was leaving articling and had been articling in the insurance industry and was going on to try to find a job as a, as a first year. And she said to me, well, I'm, I'm an insurance lawyer. Like that's where all my experience is. And so I need to look in insurance. And I said, okay, well, do you like insurance? No, I hate it. Okay. (laughs) Well, you're not yet an insurance lawyer. You know, you've, you've got a year of training in one area of law now you can focus on what that equips you to do later. So that's the other thing I would say. If you're in a job now and or you're in a firm and you practice a type of law and you really don't like it, I don't know if it will be something that you like when you're on your own, you know? Mm-hmm. So consider what, what the options are too um, when you're transitioning from something that you already do and thinking it would be better if you were doing that same thing on your own. Like really examine whether that's the case. I think to your point. Yeah. That's it. That's about all that I will say from the book, but there is more in there and more than we have time to get into in this episode for sure. Okay. Well, so that, you know, effectively is the end of our short run three episode um, season, but the substance of going out on your own and doing something innovative, we obviously uh, will come back with our goods and gripes. But before we do that, Thank you, everybody, for giving us a listen in this uh, short season. We hope um, what we've delivered, while brief, uh, can be really useful to you in whatever stage you are in your life or stage of your career. You know, always, I guess, my goal with uh, making this thing with Darlene is to at least, hopefully, you all can get one little piece of gold from every episode that you can apply to your life in some way. And I think that, you know, the season might have some of those little pieces of gold. What Kimberly Bennett provided was amazing. You know, this advice that we've harvested from other experienced folks, I know I'm drawing a lot of inspiration from. So um, yeah, just in general, I hope this has been useful for folks. I know it's been useful for me. And uh, stay tuned on my new thing that I've been creating as we've been recording this. Okay, sounds good. You don't want to do a nice, uh, kitschy, uh, lovey-dovey sign-off? Okay, yes, I do. (laughs) Thank you for the prompt. (laughs) Well, I agree. I think that always, as with the Lawyer Life podcast, the things that come along uh, as we think up ideas for our episodes, we're always focused on what's going to help other people, and we, we always get something out of it that's going to be helpful to us, too. So... We continue to create, we continue to try to make things that are helpful to the profession and, you know, surface for our listeners, the awesome people and the great advice that we are so lucky to get to come across. So yeah, thanks, Mike, for reminding me to do a little bit of a, a gratitude wrap up. I have been Thank programmed you. to ensure <laughs> gratitude, gratitude at is all provided times. on podcast. <laughs> Goodness. Okay. Your training, <laughs> your training has been unorthodox. Yes. <laughs> At Interhalia. Yeah. Uh, Okay. We will uh, take a break and we'll come back with our goods and gripes. The Lawyer Life Podcast is brought to you by Interalia Law. Interalia lawyers have big firm training, in-house experience, and a wide range of expertise in technology, media, and entertainment. 
Our advice is business-focused, speedy, and practical. To learn more, visit interalialaw.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-A-L-I-A-Law.com. And we are back with our goods and gripes. Goods are things we want to promote and support, and gripes are things that annoy us. Darlene, would you like to start? Okay, I'll start with a gripe. It's so small, but I just wanted to say I go for a walk uh, around my neighborhood, and there's a big hill, and my boots are getting, like the grips are not working anymore. And the other day, I was sliding down the hill, really like sort of like a cartoon character, like arms are out and I'm like clearly about to bail. And someone walking up the hill with like superior boots and a dog was like, hey, pretty slippery, be careful. <laughs> I'm like, okay, a little bit of a gripe. Like when someone's about to bail, I might be like, can I give you a hand? Looks like you're going to fall as opposed to, hey, pretty slippery, <laughs> like be careful. I'm like, thanks for that. That I don't know what to do with that information. <laughs> I alerted you to the slippiness by slipping. <laughs> by looking the way that I do, like a total lunatic going down this hill. And I thought to myself, helpful advice if they've just gone down the slippery hill and I'm about to like come down it from the top or something. It was just like the weirdest yeah. interaction. Anyway, slight gripe. Okay. How about you? Do you have any I have smaller a, or larger gripes? I have that? a goody gripe. So I'll start with the good which will easily transition me to the gripe, which is exactly the same thing pretty much. Um, So lately, this is mostly about like, I guess, buying stuff that solves problems. But like in general, I've always kind of been the type to like maybe overthink stuff a little bit. And then like, you know, if I see something I need to do or a problem I need to fix, um, you know, especially if it's like, you know, more significant, I kind of think about it a lot and I get tortured by it. And then eventually I like, eventually it gets fixed and I feel very happy. But lately I've just been like, I'm just going to try to do this right now. I'm just going to try to fix it. It's that good. feels good. And I like that. That's my good is just not overthinking. And if it's, you know, a fairly minimal thing, just like solve the problem and move. I like that. But also now, and it's also in me, I just love solving problems so much that I and now I see them everywhere. And now I like get distracted by the thing I want to fix when I have other stuff I want right to do. Now. And so I still do the stuff I need to, but in the back of my head, I'm like, oh man, that, you know, th- the basement, blah, 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 still needs to be this and that. Um, and uh, so I do obviously have to work on like letting that go, making this like a reasonable uh, kind of amount of problem fixiness. Uh, and, and promptness. But anyway, that's where I'm at right now. I love fixing problems in this time. Like things are organized in the house. I love doing it. It's like where I'm pouring a lot of my extra time into, but maybe I'm going a bit overboard. Is that kind of where I'm at? Mm. Interesting. Well, you certainly applied that skill to me with the mic because let's face it. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Hey, listener, <laughs> listen to this. So <laughs> Darlene's former microphone thank goodness was on the fritz for i don't know how long like months and so uh, we have meetings booked to, to record this podcast and the last two have been me trying to get virtually obviously like over the phone a combination of the phone and the internet two conversations mm-hmm. like one whole conversation two mediums trying to coach darlene to fix this microphone Oh my gosh. Maximally annoying. Oh, it was just the the worst. Uh, and then we, because this is all in context of like, we have an hour to record this thing or whatever, this and that. Um, and finally, and then Darlene orders her new microphone. And then she says to me, but I'll, I'll probably keep my, uh, the other one just in case. It was like, keep it for what? 
It's terrible. <laughs> Get rid of it. I think as soon the as you high can. point, the high point of the conversation was when I was like, no, no, I, I think that maybe, like, I have some hope that it might work in the future. And you're like, there's no hope. There's no hope. <laughs> what and more I was evidence like, oh, okay. do you need that this is a problematic piece of equipment? Yeah, I need to go to Best Buy in the height of a pandemic and get a new microphone. (laughs) Oh, man. That is one thing about our relationship, which I honestly do value, is uh, I definitely feel comfortable being direct with you at this point. Uh, And I know I was doing doing that on that call. I was being very direct. It was very direct. And you know what? We have to be like, that's the thing. You have to, when you have a, a creative relationship, you're making some things then if there's an obstacle and one person's not acting on it, you know, that's that's the terms of business, I think. So I'm fine with it. And I sent you puns to make up for it. Yeah. So it was all fine, I hope. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Thank you for uh, this. <laughs> A few good laughs, as always. <laughs> she says defeated. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's all. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll be back soon with a fresh new season. Until then, uh, we'll talk soon. Talk soon. That's it for this week's episode of LLP. Thanks to Inter Alia Law for presenting the podcast and to Nick Fowler for composing and performing our music. See our show notes for his website. Don't forget, we love feedback. Please comment in the review section or subscribe or like. We'd appreciate it greatly. That's it. Talk soon.